I'll try my best not to uh, hold you too long tonight. Um, I want to share some things with you this evening. Uh, I've preached along this line before, but I just felt impressed to share from this text again this evening from the book of Ecclesiastes, if you have your Bible tonight. The book of Ecclesiastes, one of the, one of the books, the wisdom books written by Solomon, King Solomon. And, uh, you know, when you read Ecclesiastes, you have to understand Solomon was writing this book, uh, writing this, and um, in view of, you know, he talks about everything being vanity and vexation of spirit when you read that. It's all vanity and vexation of spirit. That's the view of life from a man who knew God and was close to God and got away from God. And he tried everything in the world to satisfy his life. Nothing was withheld from his eyes. He did everything. He had, he had you know, the capabilities, the finances to do anything and everything he wanted to do. And if anybody did it all, Solomon did it all. And in the end, he said, it was all nothing. It's all vanity and vexation of spirit. It's all empty nothings is all that it amounts to. And so, you know, we can sum that all up to say that without the Lord, this life isn't worth even living. If you don't have Jesus, it doesn't matter how much money you have, wealth, fame, popularity. It doesn't matter. If you don't have Jesus, it all amounts to, it doesn't amount to anything. Amen. And Solomon summed that whole book of Ecclesiastes, summed it all up in the very end of that book and said, um, let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. He said, fear God and keep His commandments for this is the whole duty of man. And that was the sum up of the whole thing. But I want you to turn to, um, to, the book of, to that book of Ecclesiastes and to the 8th chapter and the 3rd chapter. And I just want to share a thought with you here this evening uh, in, in this, uh, from this text. Ecclesiastes 8 and 4, he says, Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, What doest thou? Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil, and a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. And I want you to notice verse number 6. It says, Because to every purpose there is time and judgment. Therefore the misery of man is great upon him. For he knoweth not that which shall be, for who can tell him, when it shall be. Because to every purpose, verse 6, because to every purpose there is time and judgment. Amen. The Amplified Translation says this, For to every purpose and matter has its right time and judgment. Every purpose has its right time. The NIV says, For there is a proper time and procedure for every matter. And the New Living says this, For there is a time and a way for everything. So there's a time for everything. And then Solomon says this also in chapter 3 in verse 1, and we're just going to read that first verse. For he says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. And then he goes on there telling, the, you know, there's a time to be born, there's a time to die, and so on and so on and so on. But I want to talk to you just for a little bit tonight on that thought from that text on it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. Something that, um, that we have today is time. Amen? We need to redeem the time and use our time wisely. But I want to talk to you about that tonight for uh, it's just a matter of time. Father, we do thank you tonight for your presence here in this service. 
We thank you for your blessings and your goodness. We ask for your anointing tonight upon this part of the service that you would help me to minister your word, that you would give me a quickening of your spirit tonight. Open our hearts to receive and we thank you for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, when we look at the condition of the world, every time we turn on the television or turn on the news, and I've kindly got to where I don't watch it as much as I used to. It's kindly frustrating. I try to keep up with what's going on, but when you look at all of that and you see what's going on in the world today, it would be very easy for an individual to become distraught and discouraged. Are you listening to me? Because everyone wonders what the future holds and what's going to happen. And, you know, we don't know from day to day what our, you know, our life, our life's like a vapor. The Bible says we don't know, um, just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Solomon even said that in verse number 7. He said, for, um, for he knows not that which shall be. And so that's something about us as human beings. We don't know. The only thing we know about the future is what God has predicted about the future. And that's the one reason why I don't worry about the future because I know how it's all going to turn out. I've read the back of the book. I've read the last chapter, and I know how it's going to end. So if you know how it's going to end, there isn't any need in getting all upset, is there? You know, a few years ago they were predicting, well, every once in a while they, they, they predict the end of the world and, and all of this type of thing, and there was, you know, that was, went on here a few years ago, and people were getting nervous, and somebody was predicting the, the, that the rapture was going to take place, and the end of the world was going to take place, and now they're saying that the world is going to end in 12 years, and all that type. Let me tell you, the world is not going to end in 12 years. I can assure you of that. Amen. Will the Lord come within, will the, Lord come within the next 12 years? I certainly hope so. I, I'm looking for him to come, but the world's not going to end when the Lord comes back. Amen? So, you know, we know, one thing we do know, when we wonder about the future, as I said, we know how it's going to all turn out because we know that the God that we serve tonight has got everything under his control. He's going to work everything out according to what he has already planned in purpose. And what God has said will happen that's what's going to happen. Amen? And uh, He's still sovereign. God is still on the throne. And in His time, God takes care of everything. And so what He has predicted in this Bible is going to come to pass and it's going to happen. The prophecies that He's given are going to be fulfilled and they're going to, uh, they're going to, come, to, to, they're going to come to pass. All right? You don't have to doubt that. It's going to happen. Nobody... Can, can stop God's will and plan and purpose that He's recorded in His Word from coming to pass. His ultimate will will come to pass on this earth. Amen. So Solomon here in this text came to the conclusion that, that in every situation that there's a time and there's a season and there's a reckoning and there's a judgment. So in the light of that, we must live for God and trust the Lord. For there is a, it's just a matter of time until the things that are in this book come to pass. Are you with me? And let me, let me just illustrate it here a little bit tonight because uh, what I'm talking about, about it being a matter of time. According to, according to law enforcement, if you, if a person um, is, is, um, is, is someone that Jesus is calling us, Praise God. <laughs> if a person is, is a thief and they, and they steal, and they're um, somebody who has been stealing, it's just a matter of time until that individual gets caught. Everybody thinks they're not going to get caught, but it's just a matter of time until that person will get caught. According to the traffic cop, if you speed, if you go over the speed limit continuously, you may get by with it for a while. And I know there's nobody here at Abundant Life that does anything like that. But, it, but you know, <laughs> but uh, you may get by with it for a while. But you know what? It's just a matter of time 
until you get a ticket. Uh, my granddaughter Georgia and I had left Colton's here a couple years ago and we were going down Maple Street and, and I was going a little over the speed limit and the next thing I knew there was red lights on and, and uh, pulled me over and he said, did you know you were going 38 miles an hour? And I wanted to say it. I didn't, but I wanted to say it. That's my normal speed. I drive all over town like that. Amen. I didn't realize I was speeding. That's the way I drive. But uh, nevertheless, and I've checked that since then, and sure enough, I do. But it's just a matter of time, amen, <laughs> that if you continually speed, you're going, to, you're going to get a ticket. And by the way, he did not give me a ticket for speeding, but he did give me a ticket for not having on my seatbelt. <laughs> amen. Ben, but, you know, according to your doctor and according to medical science, if you smoke cigarettes, then it's just a matter of time until you're going to have, have physical problems over that. You're going to develop lung issues and lung cancer possibly, uh, COPD or heart disease, but it's just a matter of time. Amen? So you see kindly what I'm talking about here tonight. Well, there's a parallel phrase to this that's found in the Bible that's used 120 times in the Bible. It's one of my favorite phrases, but it's the, it's the phrase, it shall come to pass. And 120 times, as I said, God uses that phrase in the Word of God. And when God says that it shall come to pass, you can mark that down. That when he says, it shall come to pass, nothing's going to change that. It is going to come to pass. If God said that it will come to pass, then it's just a matter of time till it will come to pass. Are you following? Do you believe that tonight? Amen. It's just all, it's all a matter of time. Now, um, according to the Bible, there are some things that I want to bring out tonight, maybe next week if I don't finish tonight, but... But there are some things that, there's some thoughts that I want to share with you tonight that is just a matter of time in our life. And the first one is this, that it's just a matter of time before what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. It's just a matter of time that what you have in your heart will come out of your mouth. Look with me at um, the book of Luke chapter 6 and verse 45. Luke 6 and 45. And listen to what, Luke, what Jesus said in Luke 6, 45. He says this, he says, A good man, and we need to get a hold of this because this is so very important. Because what, you know, our heart, the condition of our heart is such an important thing. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. And then notice what Jesus said. For of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Do you see that? For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So it's just a matter of time that whatever you and I have in our heart, in abundance, is eventually going to escape our lips and come out of our mouth. It's going to come out in speech and it's going to come out in our actions. So you can't hide the contents of your heart and what's in there in abundance because it will eventually come out. This is, listen, this is a biblical principle. Jesus said that this is a fact, that what is in your heart will in, a bit, in abundance, what is there in abundance will eventually come out of your mouth and come out in your actions. In the book of Mark, uh, the seventh chapter, we'll probably get there in a few months as uh, we preach through the book of Mark. But in the book of Mark in the seventh chapter, Jesus talked about the sins that would damn the soul. And he said that that which is evil, an evil man that treasures up evil in his heart will bring forth adulteries and fornications and all kinds of sin. And he lists a number of sins. Let me just turn over there and read it, all right? In Mark chapter 7, in verse number 20, he said, Jesus said, that, uh, said this, he said, that which comes out of the man, it's that which comes out of the man that defiles the man. For with, from within, now notice that, from within, 
out of the heart of men proceed these things, evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts. And he goes on and lists a number of sins. And he said in verse 23, All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Now I mentioned this here a while back that when we're talking about the heart, and I've, I mentioned it a couple of times, when the Bible's talking about the heart, it's not talking about that physical organ that's pumping blood through your body, it's talking about your innermost being, the real you. If the heart is, the, is made up of your spirit and soul, make up your inner man, your heart, and that inner man lives in, in this body. Amen? And what is in your heart, what is, what is in that inner man, what you feed that inner man, um, that's going to come out, what's in there in abundance is going to come out in our actions and in our words. And that's what Jesus said here in this uh, seventh chapter of Mark. He said that it's, you know, they were talking about, well, they couldn't understand why Jesus' disciples ate with, didn't wash their hands before they're eating. And before they ate. And Jesus said, well, it's, it's not what goes in to the mouth, it's what comes out. And it's out of the heart. So when you see people that are living this kind of a lifestyle of uh, fornication and thefts and covetous wickedness, all these sins that Jesus mentioned, and you see them living that kind of a lifestyle, it's because there's something wrong inside. Because what's on the inside shows up on the outside. It's just a matter of time before what's on the inside comes out and shows up on the outside. Can I get a witness here in this, in this Pentecostal church tonight? Hallelujah. You can't, you can't hide it. So the contents of our hearts, see that, that inner man has a storage capacity. And the contents of that heart can be either good or it can be evil. And that life is going to manifest outwardly what you have on the inside. We've all heard, we've all heard that saying, well, you know, trash in trash out. Whatever you put in, you know, it's like, it's like programming com a computer. Whatever you put in there is what's going to be in there, what's coming out. And that's the way that it is with our heart. So if we're constantly feeding our spirit man on trash and stuff that's not good for us, and we're not, we're not feeding our spirit man something from the Word of God and keeping him built up in the Word of God, then trash is what's going to come out. And it's just a matter of time till that happens. Amen? And I've said this over and over, and of course our youth are in the back, but, but that's why it's so important. So I'll preach to the parents a little bit, but that's why it's so important that parents keep their children in church, keep their kids in church. Because, because, listen, the world is feeding them stuff all week. All week long, the world is downloading its agenda into their minds and into their hearts. And that's going to shape them. Whatever they got in their, are putting in their heart and have in their heart is what's going to come out. And listen, one church service a week, just one Sunday morning church service a week, that they sleep through or spend time texting their friends while the preacher's preaching uh, is not going to counteract what the world is downloading in them throughout the week. Amen? Hallelujah. And I, you know, I'm preaching to the choir now, but that's why parents need to show up at church too. And they need to set that example for their kids and show them, you know, hey, this is, what, this is what's important in our life. And so, you know, that's the way, that's, that's so important that, that, that we keep our children in the house of the Lord. Amen? So, because what, what is downloaded in them is going gonna, is gonna to form and, and, and determine what their life is going to be and how they're going to live. So, you know, if, the thing that we need is to be full of the Word of God. If you're not full of the Word of God, then you will follow. It's just a matter of time. Now listen, if you're not feeding on this book, seems like I've been talking about that a lot here lately, but maybe that's where the Lord's trying to take us. But if we're not taking this book and hiding the Word of God in our heart, 
then it's just a matter of time that when a crisis situation arises in your life that you're just going to crumble. You're just going to fall apart. You won't, know, you won't know what to do. You won't know how to react. And you can tell out of the abundance of that heart, that mouth begins to speak. And when trouble comes, if the first thing out of our mouth is, well, woe is me, I don't know what I'm going to do, I, 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 this, is the, this is terrible. If that's the first thought or the first thing that comes out of our mouth, that's because we've not been hiding God's Word deep down in our heart. Amen? Doubt and fear will dominate our life instead of faith unless we put the Word of God in our heart on a continual basis. In the book of Proverbs, some of my favorite verses of Scripture there in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20 where Solomon again writing in the Proverbs and he says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes, but keep them in the midst of thine heart. Do you see that? Attend to my words. That word attend there and the, the Hebrew word there is, uh, is a word that means like a, like a dog would perk up its ears when it hears, hears your voice, how it'll perk up its ears trying to hear, you know. And, uh, but that's what, that's what that word means. It means to give attention to. Perk up your he- ears. Listen to what God has to say. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. And here it is. Keep them where? In the midst of your heart. Why? Because he said this. Then what did he say? Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they, verse 22, for they are life unto those that find them. And look at the next phrase. And what? And health to all their, what? Spirit? No. Their life to your spirit. But they're also health to what? Your flesh. Would that be your body? Does that trying to say, is, is the Word of God actually telling us here that, that to hide this Word in your heart would actually bring healing and health to your flesh, to your body? Amen. That's exactly what He's trying to say there. Woo, hallelujah. There's healing in the Word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And if you will take His Word and hide it in your heart, it is just a matter of time till you're going to see a change in your life. You're going to see a change in your attitude. You're going to see a change in your speech. You're going to see a change in your physical health. I believe that. I believe. I said, I believe that. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so, so that's so important that that we hide that word in our heart. If you've got a heart that is a spirit man that is filled with the word of God, then when the enemy attacks, that's what's going to come out. What's in your heart in abundance is just a matter of time. That's what's going to come out. We see that in the life of Jesus when he faced the temptation of Satan in the wilderness. What was, what, how did Jesus respond to the enemy? It is written, didn't he? What, why was it? Well, he was the Word. He was the Word made flesh. Well, we are to be like him, amen? We are to have so much of, of God's Word in us that that would be the very first response that we have is to say, well, listen, in any situation, well, God said this. The Word says this. Hallelujah. When the enemy attacks, listen, listen. When you get a... When you get, when you, get a, a, when you go to the doctor and you have a checkup or you have some tests run and the results come back and it's not a good report and we've all been there, come on. And I'm telling you what, the first thing we should, whatever's in abundance in that heart, so what's going to be the first thing come out of your mouth? And the first thing should be, well, you know, we're not denying the report, but this is what my God says. And this is what the Word says. And I know my God is a healer. And I know there's nothing impossible with Him. And yeah, that might show up on the, on the MRI, but I know God can turn it around. Praise God. That would be what would be flowing out of your mouth because you've hid it in your heart. Amen. Ooh, hallelujah. Praise God. We've got some good reports around here. God's doing some miracles. 
He's healed Lauren's perfect. But that baby that they said had hydrox and they said probably a 20% chance of survival for that little baby. They went and had a test this past week this past week and checked out and they told her, your baby is perfect. Your baby is perfect. Woo! Hallelujah! That makes me want to holler. Amen? I don't see how anybody couldn't get excited about that. That's what God will do for His people. Amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we need to have our heart filled up with the Word to the point where we know that when the enemy attacks, that's what comes out. Just like Jesus, when the enemy attacked and He said, It is written, it is written, it is written. There's only three temptations recorded there in those gospel accounts. But we know Jesus had been in that wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights tempted of the enemy. But praise God, He came out of there. He came out of that wilderness a victor. He conquered Satan. The Bible said this. It said that then the devil leaveth him and angels came and ministered to him. Well, now I kind of like that to know that I can do, there's something I can do to make the devil leave me alone. Do you know what that is? Would you like for the devil to leave you alone? Well, that do what Jesus did in the wilderness and tell the devil this it is written Slewfoot it is written devil this is what God said and let God be true and every man and every devil be a liar hallelujah it's what we've hidden in our heart it's what we've hidden in our heart so if we've filled our hearts our spirits if we're feeding you know I was talking this morning about the bread Jesus being the bread of life. And Jesus said that man would not live by bread alone, by the natural bread. He's talking about our food. We don't live by food, but, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is, see, this is spiritual bread. Is that right? This is your spiritual food. Somebody said one time, most Christians eat three, uh, they eat three hot meals a day but they, give, they feed their spirit one cold snack a week. Well, that's, that's kind of out of balance. And you know, you can look at all of us here tonight and you can tell we are not, any of us, missing very many meals. Amen? <laughs> There's none of us going hungry. None of us going hungry as far as food is concerned. God has been good to us in that area and we eat good. Amen? I said, we eat good. I ate some stuff in Africa I wasn't really quite sure of. But we eat good over here in, in, the, in, in the United States. But uh, it's more than just feeding this natural man and taking care of this natural man. You've got, a, you've got an inner man. You've got a spirit man that you've got to take care of as well. And you've got to make sure that he's fed. You've got to make sure that he's full of the Word of God because it's just a matter of time that the enemy will come in, that the enemy will attack. It's just a matter of time until you're going to need. Everything has, has a time, has a place. Amen. And it's just a matter of time that you're going to need. You're going to need the promises of God and the Word of God. Amen. So you don't want to be scrambling around trying to figure out what to do when the attack comes. You want to be prepared. You want to be ready. You want to have the Word of God in your heart. In your heart. Amen? Listen to me. They may be able to come in someday and take this book away from me. Take this Bible. Boy, if they go to confiscating Bibles, they're going to have a load of them when they get to my house. Because I got all kinds. But, but uh, they, can, they may confiscate our Bibles in the future. They may take them away. But I'm going to tell you, they cannot take the Word of God out of your heart that you've hidden in your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just feel like that, that, that the Lord's pressing that upon us um, to, to, to make sure that we feed upon the Word of God. So it's just a matter of time that what's in your heart will come out. It'll come out of your mouth. It'll come out of your actions. Let's, let's take this thought and think about how that we individuals sometimes get harbor bad feelings or wrong feelings toward an individual in our heart. You know, you, can, you can't see in a person's heart to know if they have odd against a brother. 
but there can be hurt or bitterness or anger that can get into an individual's heart. And we talked about that on Wednesday nights a few weeks ago in our prayer series that, uh, about forgiveness and the importance of forgiveness. But if you or I allow the seed of, of anger or a seed of bitterness or offense to stay, get in our heart and take root in there, that will begin to germinate and it'll begin to grow and it'll begin to just swell up in there, see? And uh, that's why it's so important to get rid of that any anger or unforgiveness just as soon as we possibly can because once that begins to grow and it gets set on that back burner, so to speak, and it begins to simmer and it begins to cook, come on, somebody. And, uh, you know, it just begins to grow and grow and grow and those feelings will eventually manifest into actions. That's why we've got to deal with those things because it's just a matter of time that it will come out in words that we speak to one another, to individuals. See, you listen, you know, do you understand the, the importance of the words you speak? Some people do, some people don't, but, you know, sometimes the things we say and the way we talk doesn't seem like that we realize the, the power and the importance of our words. But do you know your words are very powerful? Words, words can be full of praise or they can be full of poison. Come on, amen? Words can construct and build up or they can criticize. Words can be sanctified with divine healing or they can be saturated with demonic hatred. Amen. Words can give hope and bring hope or words can hurt an individual. They can lift someone to heaven or they can lower them to hell. Words can calm the storm or words can confuse the situation. It's very, very important that we are careful about the words that we say. The Bible said in the book of Ephesians to let your, let your, speech, your, your speech be with grace and seasoned with salt. Amen? We just sang about that salt and light this morning. And the salt is, is representative of the Word of God. And he said, let, that, let your words be with grace and be seasoned with salt. Amen? Amen? We shouldn't be talking hateful to one another or about one another. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21, and you know this verse of Scripture, but we need to be reminded of it because Solomon said that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. I, I, that tells us how powerful our words are. I've heard people quote that verse and misquote that verse, and, and I've heard them say it this way. The power of death and life is in the tongue, but that's not what it says. It says death and life are in the, death and life are in the power of the tongue. The Word of God is saying there that the, this tongue is very powerful. And, and that's why we got to make sure that we got the right stuff in here because it's just a matter of time that what's in here is coming out here and you're either going to help somebody or hurt somebody. Come on, somebody. You're going to heal somebody or destroy somebody. Hallelujah. Praise God. We need to make sure of that. That's, you know, that's, that's so important that, that we understand the power of our words because what's in your heart in abundance is going to come out in words eventually. James talked about the tongue, didn't he? And he said, what did he say? It's an unruly evil. Oh, hallelujah. I feel, I feel something coming on. I'm turning over there. This Sunday night, we can just teach a little bit. Is that all right? We're going to close here in a minute. Don't, don't get nervous. Go to the book of James. Right back there in the back, past Hebrews. You got it? James chapter 3. Hallelujah. Brother Rick, you don't need to go there. We know that. Well, that's okay. I'm going there anyway. Listen to what James said. Verse 2 of, of chapter 3, he says, 
For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man and able to bridle his whole body. James said if we could control what we say and never offend with our words, we would be perfect. Mm. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? Huh? You know what that says to me? That that's the thing that keeps us, that's the thing that gets us in the most trouble is what we say. And he said, if you could bridle that tongue, he said, look at verse, if you could, if you could, if you wouldn't offend in word, you could, you, you could bridle your whole body if you could bridle the tongue. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body with that little bit that's connected to that bridle. You've, I don't know, how much does a horse weigh? A thousand pounds or more? Big horse? And you put that just a little bit, where do you put it? You put it in his mouth over his tongue. Come on, somebody. And you can take, you got a 175-pound man controlling a 1,000-pound horse with his mouth by, by turning, by pulling on that bit on that tongue. And that's what Paul or James was saying here, that if we could learn to control our mouth we could control, our, our life would be under control. What gets people in trouble? What gets churches in trouble? What, cause, what causes more problems in churches than anything else? The tongue. What we say to one another or what we say about one another. Come on, amen. That's why we've got to guard our heart. For out of it are the issues of life. That's why we've got to make sure that our heart is clean and our heart is pure. And we're putting the right stuff in our heart because it's just a matter of time that what's in there is going to come out. And when it comes out, it's going to hurt somebody. Come on, amen? Hallelujah. He said, look at verse 4. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven by fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm or a rudder, whithersoever the governor listeth or desires. He's saying they're giving another example. Not only can you take a little bit, put it in a horse's mouth and steer that horse, but a little rudder on the back of a great big ship, that captain can set up there and turn that ship, that huge ship, in any direction he wants it to go simply by that little rudder. Amen. That's what he's saying there. And then verse 5 he says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue, here's what he says about the tongue, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue. Did you, did, you, did you read that? It's a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For of every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Amen. Let me tell you this. The tongue can no man tame, but I know someone who can tame it. The Holy Ghost can tame our tongue. The Lord can tame our tongue. Amen? Hallelujah. He said it's an unruly evil. It's full of deadly poison. Therewith, with that tongue, we bless God, even the Father. We come to church and say, Hallelujah! We love you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. And we're just praising the Lord and we're blessing God. But then with that same tongue, he says, therewith we curse men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. And then James nails it down and he said, My brethren, these things ought not to be. Amen. In other words, he's saying you don't get up and praise the Lord and then go 
go out and talk about your brother and run them down. Come on, somebody. What's in that heart will come out of that mouth. What's in that heart will wind up coming out in those actions. It's just a matter of time. we got to keep the heart full of the Word of God and full of the Spirit of God. Somebody needs to give the Lord a praise here tonight. Woo! Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, I'm going to quit. <laughs> Just a matter of time. Jesus said, by your words, you'll be justified. By our words, we'll be condemned. So it does matter what we say. It does matter how we talk. And so it does matter what we put in our heart because that's what's going to come out of our mouth. Amen? See, I hate to get into the second point because I don't think I've got time to cover it all. I know I don't. But I guess I could give you a preview and we'd do it next Sunday. Would that be all right? Amen. All right. So it's just a matter of time that what's in your heart in abundance will come out of your mouth and come out in your actions. Amen? Secondly, it's just a matter of time that the seeds that you've sown will bring forth fruit. God said in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, that as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. There will be summer and winter. Amen? Didn't He say that? There will be day and night shall not cease as long as the earth remains. That's a principle that God put in the earth. It's a principle in the natural and it's a principle in the spirit realm that there is seed time and harvest. There's sowing and reaping. Amen. Now look with me at Galatians and we'll just, we'll just touch on this. Look with me at Galatians chapter number 6. Galatians chapter number 6 and verse 7. Paul said this. This is a familiar verse. We, we all know this, but listen what he says. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For Listen, listen to it. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. There's that law of sowing and reaping, planting seed time and harvest. And so Paul said that whatsoever a man sows, that so shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season, look at that, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. What's he saying there? It's just a matter of time until you reap the seeds that you sown. It's just a matter of time until you reap a harvest of what you've been continually sowing to. That's why I tell people and especially young people all the time, don't sow those wild oats. Don't sow to the flesh because if you sow to the flesh, you sow to sin, you sow those seeds of sin, you're, gonna, you're going to reap the very thing that you sow. You will reap. You won't like the harvest. I said you won't like the harvest. But that's. The, but if you if you will sow to the spirit, if you'll sow to the spirit, you'll reap of the spirit life everlasting. Amen. So what we sow, it's just a matter of time that that's what we will reap. I tell our young people, you know, and try to preach to young people. They don't always listen to what you say. I wish they would. Parents understand that too. But, um, but you know, we, we always tell them, don't smoke that first cigarette. Because that first cigarette, what happens then, it becomes an addiction. And, uh, you know, it, it gets a hold of them. And it's just a matter of time over a period of time till they develop lung cancer or some other disease. We always tell them, don't drink that first beer. Don't, don't do that. Because it can lead to that addiction of alcoholism and, and, uh, and a bondage to alcohol. Amen. It leads to fatal accidents. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time until those things happen. Amen. So we don't want to sow to the flesh. We don't want to sow to sin. But we do want to sow good seed. All right. 
Amen? Now let me just give you this here, and we'll, we'll get out of here. We do want to sow good seed. So we're not sowing to the flesh. You, we're all saved here tonight, right? Somebody said, well, what about all those seeds that I sowed before I got saved? Well, they're gone. The blood of Jesus wipes that all away. You know, the devil would like to tell people, you know, you remember when you was younger, all that you sowed to the world and to the flesh, you're just reaping what you've sowed. Let me tell you, when you get born again, you become a new creature in Christ. All the old things have passed away. Everything becomes new. And God, God, I, you know, he just, he just digs up all those old seeds and gets rid of them. Come on, somebody. Amen? Hallelujah. So then you start, once you get born again, then you start sowing to the things of God and sowing to the Spirit and sowing into the, the things of the Spirit. You're living a different life now, amen? And he said when we sow to the Spirit, we're going to start reaping life, and it's life more abundantly. That's what Jesus said that he came to give us, life and life more abundantly. Hallelujah. So let's sow to the Spirit. And there are some ways to do that, but let me just, I'm preaching to the choir again, but the Bible, Paul talks about sowing of finances into the work of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So this is one way that we can sow good seeds and get a good harvest, is to sow our finances, to give and to sow into the work of God. Look at 2 Corinthians 9 and 6, and we'll, 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 we'll close with this. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly, and if you'll read this chapter, you'll find out the context of this chapter, Paul's teaching on, on giving. He's teaching on giving. I probably don't teach on giving as much as I should. But, you know, because as soon as you do, somebody will say, He's after our money. He's just trying to get in our pocketbook. And that's not the case. Amen? <laughs> but this chapter is talking, about, is talking about giving. And he said, He which sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. But he which sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Amen? So what he's saying there, that however you give... That's how you're going to reap. How, you know, if you sow a lot of seed, you're going to, your harvest is going to be better. You'll be bigger. And that's, that's, that's the principle of God. You, take, you, you know, you can plant just a little garden patch and, flow, uh, and sow a few seeds and you're going to get a little bitty crop. But, you know, you take Brother Larry or somebody that's a farmer, goes out and, and, and plows a whole field and plants a lot of seed, they're going to get a bigger crop. And it's that way with giving. He said, if you sow a little bit, you'll reap a little bit. But if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So he's talking about sowing into the work of the Lord, giving of your tithe and your offerings to the work of the Lord. And God blesses that. And you know what? I always, I always stress the fact that we're not giving to God with the motive to get something back from God, but we're giving to God as a thanksgiving to Him for what He's given to us. And I'm a little bit, I'm a little different on tithing than what, what, than what some people are because I don't look at tithe as a debt that I owe. Under the Old Testament, that it was a debt. But under the New Testament, I still believe that we need to tithe. Thank God I'm getting some amens on that. I do believe that we need to tithe. And some people will say, well, tithing was under the law, and we're not under the law, so we don't have to tithe anymore. Tithing was before the law. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek before the law. It was just added to the law. But we're not tithing, and give, tithing means to give 10% of our income to the work of the Lord. We're not giving it, we're not paying it as we pay a debt. And, and you know, I, the old time preachers would say we need to pay our tithes. And 
sometimes we use that terminology, but it's not, we don't look at it as a debt we pay. I'm giving 10% to the Lord because He's been so good to me. It's the first fruits. It's a grace now that I give to the Lord because He's blessed me so much and blessed you so much. Amen. And, and if you've got a job and if you've got income or, or if you have a pension coming in or whatever it is and God has given you finances and He's given you a place to live and He's given you food to eat and He's given you clothes to wear and you've got a check that you can go and deposit in the bank, you are to be thanking God and saying the first 10% of that goes to you, Lord, because you've blessed me. And you sow that into the, to the Lord. You give it to the Lord. And He blesses, He just keeps on. He said if, you, then if it's bountiful, you reap bountiful. Each man and woman according to what they give to the Lord. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, There is he that scatters and yet increases. Talking about sowing. And there is he that withholds more than his meat, but it tends to poverty. So what's that saying? Talking about sowing. He's talking about giving. He's talking about the first fruits there, again, of giving. And he said that those individuals that scatter, that seed will increase. But those who hold it back, it tends to poverty. Hallelujah. I have, you know, occasionally people will come and, and talk to me about having financial needs in their life. And uh, the first thing, I, you know, that I, I address is, are you tithing? And if they say, no, I can't afford it, I say, you can't afford not to. Because God's not going to help you with your financial situation until you get, you get your priorities in order. That's just the way that it is. You know, there's, there's laws of prosperity in the kingdom of God. And the first one is to be a giver. Amen? If we want to see God bless our lives, then we give. And it starts with that tithe and then... The offering, you haven't really given until after you've given the tithe and then the offerings on top of it to missions and, and to special things in the church and different things, but to give those offerings. But it's just a matter of time. Let me say, let me say this and I'll close. It's just a matter of time that what we sow in the Spirit, what we sow in our finances, with our finances... Everything we sow into the kingdom of God, we give into the kingdom of God, that we do for the Lord, that we do for the kingdom of God. We will reap a harvest and a blessing and a benefit from that. He said, for it, he said in due season, there's time element involved. In due season, we will reap if we do not faint. And so that means don't give up. Don't give up. You know, some, some people say, well, I tried tithing once and it didn't work. Well, you can't try tithing once and, and say, well, it didn't work. Amen? I've, I've known a pastor that gave a challenge to his people and said, you faithfully tithe for six months and if your financial situation isn't better, at the end of that six months of faithfully tithing the Lord, we'll refund your money. I don't, you know, and, and, and nobody ever asked for a refund. He said, nobody ever asks for a refund. Why? Because tithing does work. Giving to God does work. If you, if you believe the Bible, you will reap. You will reap in due season. It's just a matter of time. I said, just a matter of time until the blessing comes and flows. Hallelujah. Somebody said, well, it ain't happened to me yet. Well, you know, just keep at it. Keep at it. Keep at it. Keep at it. Be faithful. Put the Lord first. Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you again. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will I cause men to give to your bosom. God blesses givers. Come on, God blesses givers. It's just a matter of time until the soul seed you sown will be the harvest that you reap. Amen. Woo, hallelujah. Well, stand with me. I, see, y'all, I was going to quit. I was going to quit. You made me go overtime.